Hey everyone, it's Supernova Jones and welcome back to another damn podcast. This week we continue the series, Are We Still Protecting Black Women Or? Where I choose a different black woman each week who has been scrutinized or not protected in my eyes by her peers and offer some perspective on why that is. Now, if you haven't listened to my last three episodes, please go back and listen to them. They're works in progress. They're works in progress. But I discuss Lori Harvey, Azalea Banks, and Candace Owen. Like I've said in each episode, this isn't to change your mind on these women, but to offer some perspective and the chance to really reflect on the term protect black women. What does it mean? What does it look like? How do we do that? Have we been doing that? In my last episode with Candace Owens, I discussed the term that she coined digital activism. An example of digital activism would be like pray for Ukraine, hashtag pray for Paris, hashtag Black Lives Matter, uh, I took my vaccine, making your profile picture black, or hashtag protect black women. All hashtags that give us the ability to show support for a cause from our computers with no other effort needed. No rioting, no other forms of protest. Just type and send. Just change your profile picture. Just black out your screens. But once we do that, do the lives for those we were showing support to really change? And what changes for them? What changes for us? When it comes to digital activism, a topic is only as important as a trend. Once the trend is over, it's on to the next topic. Think of the LGBTQ community. So many rainbows and parades in June, but on July 1st, that's it, that we see the jokes about it, so we know it's true. In June, you can pay companies to show your support. You can go to Target, you can buy a shirt, maybe get some rainbow ice cream or a pin. In June, these companies cannot wait to get us to spend money with them as their way of showing they care about the current trend just as much as we do. I support the LGBTQ community because look at my shirt. I got it from Target. I pay Target to help me show you I support you. I support you every time I wear this shirt and I'm not homophobic because this shirt proves that. Or I'm gay. Look at me. And I got a shirt to prove it. (laughs) But to be fair, Let's pose this question. How long should you support something online? We all have lives. We all can't dedicate our everyday social media accounts to topics that are trending because then that would just get exhausted. Exhausting. There's so much going on in the world. What would multiple hashtags really do, really change? But then what does one hashtag do? What did it do besides give us some form of validation? I, I did my part. I posted this hashtag. So with black women, has protecting black women become another trend or form of digital activism like Black Lives Matter ended up being? Or is it an actual verb that we're acting on and applying to all black women like I ask in every episode? Because I don't think we are. So this series is a way for me to call y'all out, call y'all bluff. So for this week's trend, are we protecting black women or the WNBA? Let's get into it. Some of you may or may not be aware of the current story of Brittany Griner. 
according to the news. Brittany was detained on February 17 at a Moscow airport for having vapes with uh, cannabis oil in them. So she was detained for the past four and a half months and she pled guilty on July 7th, stating that the vapes were brought into the country from New York by accident. You know, she was in a rush getting into the plane. But right now it's looking like she's going to be convicted of, well, sentenced. She's been sentenced to nine years of jail time, according to CNN, after pleading guilty. Now, when the story first broke in February, I don't think people believed, at least not I, I didn't believe she'd be in there for long. You know, I figured she'd get a slap on the wrist, maybe a fine, and she'd just return to the U.S. like normal. But once the days turned into months, and now with this conviction, I think a lot of people are shocked. But back in July, that's when the hashtag started to fly. And that's when I knew I was going to make this series. Protect black women. You know, Britney's coach even quoted saying that if this was LeBron, she'd be home already. You know, people are starting to notice the difference between how she would be treated if she wasn't a black woman. At least that's the connection they're trying to make. So, of course, you'd say, then why am I doing the episode, right? Obviously, people are jumping to her side. But my episode isn't just about Britney Griner. It's about the WNBA and why Britney was in Russia in the first place. According to ESPN, 68.5% of the WNBA is African-American. 24.5% is white, 3.5% are Latina, 2.8% are listed as other and think we only have one Asian and that was back in 2016 these statistics now with numbers like that one could expect some recognition from their own community but as I did my research on the topic names flew that I had never even heard of shit when I decided to do this episode I realized that the only WNBA player I knew was Lisa Leslie and that's because I saw her on TV and in movies I heard her name in songs I saw her face in spaces that had nothing to do with the WNBA. The WNBA seems to be invisible, especially within the black community. And this invisibility is felt so loudly that WNBA star who I honestly had never heard of before, Maya Moore, wrote an essay about it in the Player Tribune. In this essay coined Invisibility, Maya discusses how she came to love the WNBA and she saw herself in women like Leslie, Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Swoops, Tina Thompson, and Janet Arcane. She talks about how important it is to remain visible in the WNBA to inspire other girls who love basketball like herself growing up. She talks about how much media attention she got playing college uh, basketball. She played for UConn, which is a popular uh, team in the college sports uh w you know women's basketball sports but once she got drafted into the WNBA in 2011 that's when the visibility ended to her shock the seats weren't as filled for her games as they were in college now that she was in the WNBA and as a reader reading this essay it shocked me because my assumption would have been the opposite, right? This is the WNBA, not college. And admittedly, I watch neither. I honestly don't even 
know anyone except for one person who is a diehard women's basketball fan. And she's a female, you know, female. I don't know many males that even watch college football, college um, basketball, women, women's basketball or WNBA. I've even asked some of my male friends, what do they, you know, who do they know in the WNBA? What do they know? And they don't. They don't know anything. Maya continues to talk about the lack of media attention that the WNBA receives, which I wholeheartedly agree with because she wrote this essay seven years ago and nothing has changed. Think about the last time you saw a market for a WNBA game on TV or the radio by a celebrity or even online. Much of our information now is from online sources. What we see is a product of algorithms. So who controls the algorithms? I once read that algorithms algorithms don't matter if the people support it. We control the algorithm. Which brings me to my next topic, which who is in charge of the algorithm for the NBA? So earlier I gave you some statistics on the percentage of black women in WNBA. Let me give you another one. According to Outsports.com, currently 20% of the WNBA identifies publicly as LBGTQ, which gives us a one in five chance of a woman in the WNBA being LGBTQ. One which include Miss Brittany Griner herself. So when we talk about algorithms and who controls what we care about, I would think that the current plight of the WNBA will fall on the LGBTQ community, right? As well as the black community, of course. But the LGBTQ community, they just had a whole month dedicated to showing support. Filled with much social media attention, parades, and marketing. It was interesting because when it comes to that community, they will get someone canceled quick for their opinions. Shit, my last two episodes included this community's role in canceling or trying to cancel Azalea Banks and Candace Owens, mainly because of their opinion. Look at what happened to Dave Chappelle, Boosie, the baby. I might be next for bringing this up. But it just makes me wonder, where are they right now? Or where have they been when it comes to the WNBA? Where are the rallies, the outrage? Not only for Britney, but for the league itself. Going back to Britney, and the reason she's in Russia in the first place goes into another issue that the WNBA has besides lack of marketing, but their pay. The highest paid player in the WNBA is Tarasi Diana. I believe I'm saying that right. She made $228,094 according to SpotTrack.com. The average salary in the WNBA is about $128,000 a year. So let's do some com- some uh, comparison. Steph Curry made $45 million in 2022. But it, that, that's Steph Curry, right? That's a championship winner. So the price isn't a shock to anyone. 
the minimum salary for a player signing a contract in the NBA is on average over $900,000. That's just the contract. So I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into it, but think about that number. When I looked at the league minimum salary for a WNBA player, it was at about $58,000 a year. That's a minimum average salary for a WNBA player. You know how much a water boy makes on average? $58,000 a year. That is wild. That is outrageous. So, which explains why Britney was in Russia in the first place. Many WNBA players go overseas to make up the money that they're not making in the offseason. And if you didn't know that, you saw you watch Love and Basketball. <laughs> she had to go overseas to play. According to the Boston Globe, Brittany made about a million playing in Russia just to offset her $221,000 salary playing with the Phoenix Mercury. A lot of women in the WNBA have to find other outlets to supplement their income because marketing isn't doing it for them. Playing in the WNBA isn't doing it for them. So why doesn't this matter to us? Are they not black women who need to be protected? Where is their community? Who is their community? Where are their hashtags? Is the WNBA not worth some digital activism, some shirts? Can we not call for someone in the organization maybe to be canceled to make some changes within this system? What can we do so we don't have other Britney Griners in Russia? Now, I'm not saying she shouldn't be held accountable for her actions. I'm definitely not saying that. It's an unfortunate situation. But unfortunate situations like this should offer us some time to look at the bigger picture. And from what I can see, the problem is the WNBA. Their lack of pay, their lack of marketing, lack of support for these women. It took 50 years for the WNBA to be founded after the NBA was founded in 1946. That's a big gap to fill. So yes, things take time. But if enough people hashtagged and changed their profile picture, we could see some quicker fills in these gaps. I recently watched a Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma, which I recommend everyone to watch, where they show us how how social media is designed to keep us addicted. We are the product. We're, We're the algorithm. So they need to make sure that we stay in tuned at all times. It even goes as far as to monitor what we look at, track how long we stay on a an app or on someone's page or what we research, what matters to us. But then it also teaches us what should matter based on the algorithms. The LGBTQ community is an algorithm. We've seen how they can decide who gets canceled, what's offensive, who's being offensive, who can make it in this town in a sense. Protecting black women, that's an algorithm. That hashtag alone has shed light on so many issues plaguing black women. 
say her name, right? But like we've seen with digital activism, whose name do you remember? Whose name we were saying a couple of months ago, last week? So with 68% of African-American women in the WNBA and 20% of the WNBA being LGBTQ, where are their hashtags? Where is their protection? Who's saying their name? Shit, what are their names besides Brittany Griner? Who do we got to cancel? Who wore their jerseys during these parades in June? How do we make the WNBA visible on a consistent level. Maya Moore wrote that essay seven years ago. Nothing has changed. What I found interesting also was recently Boosie, who has been a target for the LGBTQ community because of his comments, openly spoke out about how little the government was doing for Britney as a black woman which was a shock to me because of his reputation with the community itself. But I found it interesting that there was so much shock and outrage from him online, on his platform. But I haven't seen much from others. So yeah, recently her team had a moment of silence for her, you know, which... That was interesting because I normally connected moments of silence for people who died or, you know, tragic events. But that moment of silence was their way of showing support. And I'm sure there's a lot being done that we're not being, you know, seeing online. I'm sure of it. At least I would want to be sure, right? I know our government is doing what they can. They're trying to strike these deals. I'm sure there's stuff going on, but is it enough? So now we have a hashtag for her. Bring her home. That's been kind of circling around with her picture. But you know what else I found when I searched bring her home? Hashtag bring her home. I found out that the national awareness of missing and murdered indigenous women states that the third leading cause of death for indigenous women is murder. And that was heartbreaking for me to see online because if it wasn't for me doing this episode of Britney, I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known that there were so many missing and murdered indigenous women in this country. The third leading cause of death? How did I not see that hashtag? What's going on in my algorithm that's not showing me such an important topic? And now, if we're doing hashtag bring her home for Brittany Garner, what happens to the social media attention that could have been brought to light for murdered indigenous women? Does it bring more attention? Or would it get muddled beneath Britney's now hashtag? So again, like every episode, I just ask us all to 
think deeper about digital activism and if it really matters. And if not, what can we do to change it? How do we change the algorithm of activism where it really it's really going to matter for people? How do we change what's going on within the WNBA? When are we going to look at the bigger picture of things? Now, I'm pretty sure even the fact that Britney has uh, a vape with cannabis oil could be something to, to be thought of. Is she under stress? Why is she? Is it recreational? There's a lot that can go into that. You know, is, is it, uh, you know, does Russia have harsh laws? You know, what's, how do other people who have cannabis oil or, you know, in that country, how are they treated? So, of course, there's a lot to look into. But right now, in terms of black women, are we protecting the black, the, the 68% of women in the WNBA right now? How are we protecting them and showing them appreciation for all that they're doing in the sports world? And of course, one could say, well, what are they doing in the sports world? They're playing the game. Just like anybody else would be. I read that the lowest paying NBA player was, I believe, Demetrius Jackson, making about 98000 a year. Did I not just tell you that the average WNBA player gets about 58000 That they're making around the same as the water boy? So then it would go into the question of, why is their salary so so much lower? But of course, it is marketing algorithms. So how do we decide? How do we how do we protect these women and show them support and protection, and show them that we care about them, and that it's not okay that they're making so much less than their male counterparts, and that it's not okay that they have to travel overseas just to continue to make ends meet. And that what's happening with Britney is not okay, even though, yes, you know, she accidentally broke the law, but her situation as a whole is not okay. And where is her community? That's it. That's all I've asked, you know, I'm asking you guys to do. So I thank you for listening and be sure to catch my next episode as we continue on our 10 part series of Are We Protecting Black Women Or? And it's crazy that I'm even making this 10 part because then that means that there are more women out there that are not being protected. Thanks for listening, guys.